Do you sometimes feel that your emotions take over in your relationships? Like if you're having an argument, for example, and you suddenly find that the anger seems to spiral out of control. Well, today we're talking about how understanding your brain and the structure of your brain and your central nervous system can help you have a deeper understanding in your relationships. If you'd like to find out more about this podcast, head over to therelationshipmazepodcast.com. Please press subscribe right now. And if you'd like to find out about how to improve your relationships, head over to therelationshipmaze.com, where we have other resources and our online course, The Relationship Maze. Welcome to today's podcast. Yeah, and today we're going to talk about the brain. Um, And very specifically, uh, we thought we'd introduce you to a really helpful model that uh, gives you a very visual idea about uh, how the brain works. And then we want to unpack a little bit about why is this relevant? Why do we need to know how anything about our brain really? How is this relevant to our relationships? And we'll get to that in a minute. But first of all, um, we wanted to start off with giving you a very, very brief overview of what our brain structure looks like. And no. neither of us is uh, is a, a medical doctor, so we're not sort of going into lots of technical detail here. We're not neurobiologists, um, but we give you a sort of very rough idea about what the brain looks like, and then we explain why it's important. Yeah, well, actually, I was thinking, actually, if it's okay, just before that, I think, you know, just one of the, th- one of the challenges is, and, you know, why is this important to know in the first place, is, you know, Often we tend to think ourselves as very logical, rational beings and that, you know, we make decisions yeah. rationally, logically. You know, we like to think on our relationships that we, we kind of communicate in a very logical, rational way. And mm-hmm. uh, But sometimes, I'm sure you've all found that if you get into an argument, mm-hmm. sometimes it feels like... Your, your it body goes takes out over. of the window, yeah. doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's yeah. like suddenly that logic goes out. I mean, mm. I'm sure most of you uh, mm. have had the experience that sometimes you're in an argument and you forget what you're arguing about in the first place. Mm. It's like you just get caught up in the emotion. You get caught up mm. in that intensity. That's right. So yeah. you get very raging, you get very angry, and you literally have this experience of uh, losing your mind, Yeah, is, is an expression that's often used. Yeah, and in so many areas of our life, we, we respond to things without necessarily too much logical reason. Mm-hmm. In fact, many of our decisions are probably more influenced by our emotions. Yes. Uh, but we like to think that we put a lot of logical reasoning into that. Mm-hmm. So helping to understand the structure of the brain and mm-hmm. why some of this happens can be so important important in our relationships and in other areas of our life too. Yeah, because I think I think what you're touching on is a really important point because when we're thinking about the brain we always think about the the thinking part of our brain, right? Yeah. Uh, the logical part of our brain and the brain in fact has got other parts to it which are not to do with thinking quite the opposite really yeah um so shall we launch into that yeah, go so on. what we're drawing on today is um is a hand the hand model of the brain by dr Dan- daniel siegel who is really uh a, a one i mean i just think he's wonderful i like uh, i love the work of daniel siegel and very specifically one of my go-to books that i uh, come back to again and again in my work uh, with clients and I just read up on it is is called Mindside. So if you come across that, if you're interested in neurobiology, attachment theory, all sorts of ideas about, you know, how we relate to other people and why we do so, Mindside is a fantastic book to, to pick up. 
So, the hand model of the brain. Well, Dan Siegel, he uh, came up with this idea of using our fists. So if you sort of look at the fist here um, in the camera, that's as a representation of our brain. Um, and um, if we open up this fist, we look at our hand. Um, the uh, brain is structured into different parts, and some of these parts are really old, so thousands and thousands of years old, and other parts of the brain are slightly newer in evolutionary terms. So the brain evolved over many, many years from, from a, a, a more simple functioning system, so to speak, to a more and more complex one. So the old part of the brain is this part here, the brain stem. It sits here roughly, is that right? Yes, we have a spinal cord yeah. underneath, which yeah. is the brain stem. Yeah. yeah. So the brain stem, that's the sort of old, um, the old sort of lizard part of our brain, which is just reacting. It's reacting to kind of to any any impulses that come in and moving up a little bit further into into the hand we've got the limbic system part of the limbic system is the uh, amygdala and that's kind of like our internal uh, alarm system so to speak so the amygdala enables us to um, within split seconds to make a decision about whether we run for example because something is threatening us or whether we should play dead, yeah. Um, so in the in the in olden days when we were chased by a tiger, um, we could either just run away from the tiger as fast as we could, or we could pretend to be dead and play and and freeze. Yeah, so absolutely. So, so in, in the brainstem, the brainstem, uh, just before we get to amygdala as well, that's where we're going to have the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system that gets triggered off. Yeah. So it's a bit like the brakes or the mm. accelerator, the bit that's going to signal, you know, again, are we gonna, is the body going to be stimulated for action or is it going to slow down? which you know in stress is is very common so you know if we get stressed the body goes in the sympathetic nervous system takes over and you know the heart rate goes up you get more adrenaline flowing through the system mm. cortisol mm. whereas the parasympathetic nervous system helps to slow down it helps to regulate that response yeah. so this is really important with the amygdala again that's where a lot of that sort of fear response is going to be stimulated that instant sort of fear and then that fight mm -hmm. or flight mm -hmm. yeah yeah so it's the sort of um, and and our responses here they're really they're automatic they're instinctual so when we feel threatened um, then we respond um, and we respond on a physiological level we're either mobilizing in our body for for fight or flight um, so we might be uh, our heart might beat faster, we start sweating, for example. So there are all these sort of, uh, we might have clammy hands, yeah? So all sorts of physiological um, experiences that kind of travel down through our spinal cord uh, and connect us with the rest of the body. So we feel it in our body. Yeah, yeah. And we get that automatic reaction where mm. it's before we even think about things. So, I mean, I can remember a, f mm. a few years ago, I was walking to, walking to the end of the pavement, I was going to cross the street, and I'm just about across when suddenly my body jolts, yeah. stopped. And I realized there's a car coming, but I hadn't actually seen it consciously. Mm -hmm. But clearly my unconscious part of my mind had been monitoring. And mm -hmm. it's like, I just get this, my body jerks into this standstill response. So that's when there is a threat. Your body just responds. You don't even kind of really consciously realize it. Yeah. And we can have that in relationships too, because mm -hmm. you know, at this level, we're not really making the difference between, you know, we tend to not distinguish between what's a real physical threat mm -hmm. and what may 
maybe a, a different, you know, a threat that seems to be a threat. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why this is relevant. And we come back to that in a minute about why this is relevant in relationships. So it's about threat. It's, uh, it's, and there's no distinction in the brain as far as the amygdala is concerned about whether this threat is real or perceived. You, we just react basically because we feel threatened. Um, so that's that part, um, that's that part of our brain, the uh, amygdala, which is part of the limbic system. That's the sort of, which is called uh, the mammalian brain. That's what we share with all other mammals. Um, and this part of the brain here, the limbic system, that's the part that kind of regulates our emotions. Uh, and really in a nutshell, it's, it's a lot more complicated than that. But any, 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 all of our emotional responses here are part of the limbic system. Yeah, so it's all about, you know, where our emotional centre, and we mm. can think, if we take the word emotion, you know, I think Daniel Siegel talks about this as well, I've heard it referred to by other people, where it's almost like emotion could stand for evoke motion, because emotions drive us into some sort of behaviour very frequently. Mm. For example, attachments, yeah. yeah, so the limbic system is there to regulate our attachments. It enables us to close, very, to to build very, to form very close bonds with others. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, okay, so we've got that. We've got to, okay. So this is the hand. Here's the brainstem, amygdala with the amygdala part of the limbic system that enables us to, you know, to create con- connection with other people. And then the last part of the brain, which is called the cortex or the neocortex, that's the last bit that developed over many, many thousands of years as part of our brain. Um, that's really particularly the, the uh, part of the cortex, which is called the prefrontal cortex. That's really, that is what distinguishes human beings from other mammals. So we're the only living beings that have a prefrontal cortex. Uh, and that's the bit, the cortex as a whole, is the part that uh, enables us to think, to have rational thoughts, to reflect, to analyse, to have critical thoughts, for example, etc. Yeah, let's add irrational thoughts. <laughs> it's okay. So it's the part that's enabled us to really kind of develop as, as, as kind of a species. Yes. And at the same time, it's also the part that maybe in some ways has caused all of our problems well, in arguably. terms of uh, our anxieties, our kind of worries and... Um, yeah, all of the different things like that. Absolutely, yes. Uh, and I think the part that's also really uh, worth pointing out is a part of the cortex, this part of your brain here, um, is the prefrontal cortex, um, which is the bit that, as I say, that we that only human beings have, which also enables us to think about thinking. It's the sort of meta critical analysis that we can do with our prefrontal cortex. So not only can we think a thought, we can also think about the thought that we're having and say, that was a good thought, that was a bad thought, that was helpful, that was unhelpful, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so the prefrontal cortex, or the, the cortex as a whole, sorry, sort of basically closes over the limbic system and, you know, when everything is going well, we, you know, we're sort of trundling along, we're feeling nicely balanced, our our system is in homeostasis, we feel safe in the world, then we have that kind of model of the brain, yeah? So the, the cortex is closed over, there's a connection here between thought and feeling, there's a nice balance between thought and feeling, we can have a feeling and think about that feeling, so there's a clear sort of... Uh, a nice, what's the word, sort of holistic experience that we're having, so to speak, in in terms of our emotional well-being and our rational thinking about it. Yeah. So now, why is all of this relevant? Why are we talking about this? Um, 
it's it's relevant uh, in terms of something that Thomas mentioned earlier on. It's this idea uh, about our limbic system going into a state of uh, fight or flight when we are feeling threatened. And we can feel threatened either by something that we um, ex that is a real threat for us, for example, a bus that's coming at us at 100 miles an hour. That's a real threat to our system. Or it can, it can also be a perceived threat. It, it can be a sort of uh, an implicit memory that we have, that we can't necessarily even connect with something consciously at this point in time. But it can actually be something that triggers us to think that we are in a situation where we are being threatened. Yeah. And, uh, and we feel threatened, uh, for example, if our partner says something to us or does something that triggers us. Uh, and what happens when we get triggered? We flip our uh, frontal cortex prefrontal cortex and basically all we do is we're just reacting. We're reacting through our limbic system, we're reacting by either fighting back, by running away or by playing dead. These are the three options that we have in our uh, in our system, yeah, in our autonomic nervous system. Uh, why is this relevant? Well, just, okay, if this is just me here, now if you put up your hand, Tom, <laughs> so imagine now us as a couple here, both of us flipping our frontal, prefrontal cortex. So this is us when we're sort of in a good state, so to speak, when, you know, everything is nicely balanced. Now, Tom says something to me that I'm really not happy about, or that I feel like, wow, that's a real attack. I'm really, I have to respond to that. I feel really threatened by that. I flip my my cortex. I respond to, to Tom and say, blah, 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 blah. I shout at him. I tell him this is really out of order. And then you flip your cortex and then we have two brains doing this <laughs> yeah so we're both we have two brains in this kind of response um actually where we're not using our thinking faculties we're just reactive yeah and this can really escalate as control so you're just basically reacting you're not proactive mm -hmm. so this is you know this is a real problem like i mentioned in arguments where you just get into this argument and you're not even thinking about what it's about mm -hmm. the argument just takes over it spirals out of control and it's just it's just this swarm of emotions that get more and more intense mm -hmm. and it can be really damaging because mm -hmm. later on when your fingers flip back down mm -hmm. then you start to think about it Mm -hmm. Then you put all this meaning onto it, and yeah. you know something that one of you may have said. The thinking part then thinks, "How could they say that to me? The fact they said that mm -hmm. means that I shouldn't be with this person, or whatever it might be." Mm -hmm. um, and actually, you know, it, this it's not being able to regulate that part of the brain when it went into that mm -hmm. emotional response is, is is a big issue. Yeah, and also I think what's also really important is when we are in this state, when we are in this reactive state, um, we can't, uh, we lose connection because we're just entirely focused on ourselves. We're just a focus on our survival, so to speak. This is the inbuilt survival system that enables us to, to look after ourselves and to keep ourselves safe. But as I say, we just do it for ourselves. What we lose in this moment is connectivity. So we're not actually, we're not connecting with another person. Uh, in order to um, to move into being receptive to another person, to move away from being reactive to being receptive, we need to enable, uh, we need to basically use this part of our, the neocortex that enables us to, to think and also to empathically 
responds and connect with another person. Yeah, so part of this, you know, it's really important that we have to have this part of the brain, so the cortex involved, to have an understanding of what's going on for us emotionally and in terms of behaviour, really, mm. and also an understanding of what's going on for the other person. So we need to be able to read both, and then, you know, it's mm. about us, it's about them, and about us together, so about the we. Mm. So we need to have this type of understanding going on mm. in order to have that em- empathic way of kind of communicating mm-hmm. with the other person. Yes. Yeah. And to create this connection between um, our emotional states, so in our limbic system, and our thinking, so, you know, to our capacity to reflect on our emotional states. Yeah, so why is this relevant? So if we have two people like this, yeah, in these kind of uh, emotional states, in a state of uh, survival, in a state of threat, um, these two people, when we're in this kind of state, cannot communicate, cannot basically resolve any conflict, cannot really come to some uh, some way of connecting with each other. And that's why it's really important to, when you notice this, when you notice that both of you are doing this uh, in an argument or, you know, yeah, an argument in a conflictual situation, it would be really uh, important to say, okay, well, what we're both, we're both in a state of just being reactive now. We're not, we're not taking in what the other is saying. We are just concerned with our own emotional states with our own survival so we might have to pause here uh, we might have to actually come back to this uh, after we've had uh, the opportunity to calm down our system for our parasympathetic nervous system to spring into action to kind of basically calm down again to you know for our heart rate to regulate again for our breathing to come down to basically come into a uh, into a state again, a state of homeostasis where we feel more balanced. And that's when we can then come back and pick up the uh, particular disagreements that we had with our partner. Yeah, so maybe one of the first things to think about now is what are some of your triggers that may trigger you into that state of feeling threatened or Mm. where you kind of have that emotional takeover? Mm. So you might think about arguments or other situations that that when when they happen, you feel this sense of threat. You feel that you just go into responding Mm. rather than kind of being proactive uh, so for pro, so when you're reactive rather than proactive. Mm. And that could be an argument when a conflict starts. Mm. And that might be because when you were a child, maybe conflict led to a real sense of, uh, of threat mm. when you were younger. Mm. Um, I mean, I've known this with somebody, for example, who um, any time the, the, there was a knock on the door, they went into a sense of feeling threatened and mm. they had this stress response mm. out of the control. And it turns out that as a child, uh, a bailiff had come to the house, mm. knocked on the door and basically taken all of their possessions. Mm. And at a very young age, that was so distressing that now any time the door knocked, there was this immediate immediate way where the fingers flipped mm, so yeah. immediately went into survival mode mm. so it could be things you know associations from the past things that now to other people might seem illogical mm. but to you it's it, it's totally normal because you've learned it at some point in your life that this potentially is a threat so think about what are the threats 
Is it the conflict itself? Mm. Is it the way that maybe your partner looks at you? Mm. Yeah. Is it is it you know if you're currently single and going on dates? Is it mm. when you know when you you get a text that comes in like an hour later and suddenly that beep sometimes gives mm. you that sense of threat? Mm. Like, am I going to be abandoned or whatever it happens to be? It kind of mm. brings you into this response. Mm. So think about what are what are your triggers? So I think that's one of the first things. Think about, you know, actually take a moment after this podcast mm. and write down what are some of the triggers that put you into this state of reaction. Mm. And it might not always be so easy to work that out, obviously, because sometimes, as I say, uh, some of it is the kind of implicit memory um, that you hold of events that might have happened, uh, that are likely to have happened many, many years ago that you can't even recall, particularly when they happened in childhood. Mm. It might not necessarily be part of your awareness, and it might take some time to work yeah. that out. But... It's, uh, as Tom said, I mean, it's still worth kind of reflecting a little bit on this. Is there something that I'm really, that I can really bring into my awareness here that is a very obvious trigger for me that gets me into a state of, um, of alertness, of fight, flight, freeze? Well, I think, I think you can be aware of the trigger, but you might not be aware of where a trigger came from. Yeah. But what's okay. important is just That's to be aware of a trigger. So just yeah. reflect over the last few weeks yeah. or even over the next week. Are there things that trigger you into that state where you feel a sense of threat? Mm. So you don't need to necessarily track it back to the original events, but just notice now what those triggers are in your current experience. Mm. And then I I think the next thing, well, now you're aware of a trigger, Mm. is what can you do about it? Mm. And one thing, well, it might involve therapy where you track things back. Mm. Or, you know, we talk about as well knowing yourself in our course, um, The Relationship Maze. But another thing to do is is thinking about how you can slow your system down. Mm -hmm. So how you can start to regulate some of that response. So as we talked about, you know, Mm -hmm. the parasympathetic nervous system gets triggered. Sorry, the sympathetic nervous system gets triggered Mm -hmm. when there's that threat. Mm -hmm. So we want to help the parasympathetic nervous system start to regulate some of that response. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you can do is, is just with your breath. Mm -hmm. So start to slow your breathing down. Mm Now, it sounds simple, and in some ways it is, Mm. but your breathing is highly linked to your emotional state. And it is a way that we know that if you start to slow your breathing down, for example, breathing in to a count of three, Mm. uh, maybe holding your breath for a count of three, and then breathing out for a count of three, Mm-hmm. We're doing box breathing, which I think we talked about talked in about another before, podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think on our podcast on anxiety, yeah. I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. Um, slowing the breathing down helps your parasympathetic nervous system start to regulate some of that response. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not going to totally eradicate it. It's not going to totally get rid of it. Mm-hmm. But it just can help you settle it down. So you can start to kind of yeah. get back into, you know, start to get some of your thinking processes engaged with with that immediate response yeah it's the sort of bottoms up approach basically that through the spinal you breathe your body slows down and through the spinal cord basically messages travel up into your brain telling yourself you're safe and then you can kind of get into this calm state yeah so anything um anything that helps you in that regard to kind of calm your system down through breathing um when you are in a state of uh, hyper arousal you're very angry for example with your partner you're in the middle of an argument you flip your frontal cortex uh, prefrontal cortex then you know it might just be also um going for a walk you know 
it's it's the time out. Have time out. That's really important. Having time out and then doing something that kind of uh, slows you down. Go for a walk. Um, do a Sudoku. Some people like doing that, actually. Yeah, <laughs> although can... for me, I think that puts me in an anxious state. <laughs> I'm but, too. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, anything that sort of, uh, that kind of, that, that works for you, really. Yeah, and I think if you regularly find yourself getting into this sort of state when you're in an argument... Uh, maybe between you and your partner or whoever it is that you get into this uh, disagreement with, mm-hmm. you could even have uh, a safe words yeah. between you yeah. that you agree before. Like if you know that you're getting into this, mm-hmm. this emotional response without thinking mm-hmm. that one of you says a word, which could even be a slightly amusing word, but yeah. it's agreed on beforehand that as soon as you hear that word, it's time just to take a little bit of time out, mm-hmm. maybe go for a walk, mm-hmm. do some breathing, and then come back to discussing this at a time when you've settled your emotional system down. Absolutely. And then, you know, you can basically relate to each other using your your neocortex, your thinking capacity, your reflective capacities, which will then also enable you to, um, to have some um, capacity to really step into each other's shoes. Because ultimately, connection, crea- gets, connection gets created by... Developing capacity for understanding your partner, understanding where they're coming from, having some sense of their internal world, what drives them, what motivates them. So when you can, when you can be in this kind of more balanced state, you have that capacity for each other. Whereas if you are just, as I say, if you're just sort of in survival mode, you just, you run on, you run on your own. You're not connecting actually. Yeah, so when your brain flips like this, you're never going to be able to kind of have that appropriate sort of communication. Mm. When your brain's like this, the communication more is like this. That, that. <laughs> but actually, you really want this without the this. <laughs> you want kind of the fingers folded over so you can, you mm. can have that thinking yeah. um, and, and actually start to connect and have empathy. Because in order to really resolve any of sort of discussions with somebody else, mm. we need to have that emotional intelligence. We need to be able to have empathy. Mm. I'm aware that uh, this is a podcast and not everyone is watching the video, so they might not have been very clear about what we're doing. We're waving our hands a lot in front of the camera now, so you might not have had a really clear understanding of what we are demonstrating. Just to sort of go back to this, in case anyone wasn't entirely sure what the hand model of the brain, how that works. So imagine that um, you have an open hand in front of you, you fold your thumb into the middle of your hand. That's your um, that's your amygdala here um, and uh, your limbic system around the hand. The bottom of your hand is the brainstem. Now, if you fold all of your four fingers over your thumb into the middle of your hand, that's your neocortex and the middle part of your knuckles here um, is the prefrontal cortex. So that's the that's kind of what we are demonstrating here with our hand flipping in front of the camera yeah and if you are listening to this and want to see it more visually we will also put this onto youtube as well so yeah. we'll put a link for that yeah so yeah. you might want to just have a look at that yeah uh, or of course you can have a look at uh, daniel siegel's fantastic mindsight yeah book yeah. Absolutely. And I think we'll follow this up a little bit more in another podcast as well, mm-hmm. exploring how also attachment styles, which we talked about in another podcast, yeah. which 
review that as well if you're interested in attachment styles. But we'll look as well about how the brain functioning also can relate to attachment styles or attachment mm-hmm. styles to the way that your brain functions. Yeah, that's really, that's super interesting as well. That's sort of something that really uh, excites me to kind of think about that neurobiology and attachment. And again, this is a, this is a field that was developed uh, and looked at in, in a lot of detail by Daniel Siegel. Yeah. Yeah, so the takeaway from today is just be aware of your triggers. Be aware of when you go into this way of reacting rather than being proactive and find ways to slow yourself down so that you can start to get back into this way where you can really communicate in in a way that's going to lead to, to much better relationships. Yep. So, and you might really use this hand model, just visualize it yourself. I mean, instead of a code word, you can just both flip your your hands up, basically your four fingers up. That shows that you are in a reactive mode and you should stop this communication at yes. this point in time. And remember to flip the four fingers up. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Absolutely not just one. Good. That's right. So... Tune in next week. Please press subscribe if you haven't already. And um, please give us a review. And we look forward to speaking with you next time. We look forward to seeing you then. Okay, take good care. Bye. Bye.